0: Hey all, uh, welcome to the Physics Milkshake. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about a topic that is slightly different from what I usually choose to talk about, which is astrophysics and cosmology. Um, But I also think it's very important that we as people of science, as rational people, are paying enough attention to the biggest problems plaguing us right now. And one of those problems is climate change. And if we don't talk about it, honestly, no one is going to talk about it. And the action that people take and action that even governments take is really dependent on how loud this voice is, on how aware the people are. And I think I would like to just start with this quote. Democracy is great, but it only works when most of the people in it understand what exactly is needed to be done i welcome you to that understanding well i think uh, i think with the freedom that democracy brings it's easy to think that you know we don't have to do much or the government must take care and we put the blame on the government but honestly our awareness plays a huge huge role and i think our understanding and uh, the attention we pay to how the climate change is affecting us today, that's a huge deal. And the fact that there are so many people out there right now who have the misconception that climate change is not even real, or they have the misconception that, oh, like global warming is just some big conspiracy theory. I mean, that really proves what a bad job we've done in in you know making people aware of this problem and as people of science we have all the more responsibility uh, to analyze and to decode the problem to come up with our own original solutions to talk about it so in the following episode uh, it's it's basically a conversation between a friend and i and i apologize in advance because we recorded it near a very very noisy street <laughs> and then there's like a lot of traffic noise in the back. Uh, but I think it uh, it kind of adds to the dystopian mood of the whole thing. So do enjoy. Uh, and also we recorded for quite a long time, or at least we thought we recorded for, I think the full extent of 30 minutes. And later we realized that by accident, the <laughs> recording stopped at around 18 minutes. So you're gonna have to make do with the, um, with half of our conversation, um, but enjoy. Here it is. And don't just listen to it and let it go. Um, if you fi- if you find that some point we talk about or something we mentioned is, you know, uh, bothering you or kind of ignites your curiosity or whatever, then go back, go Google it, go find out more. Do your own research and you have to stay aware about this because it's not somebody else's problem. It's your problem. And it doesn't matter who you are, it's your problem. It's going to be your problem. So, yeah. See you at the other end. Be totally normal.
1: Okay, hi guys. So, (laughs) welcome to the Physics Milkshake. And today I have with me a very special guest who I've been thinking of having on my podcast for like a really long time. And like by that I mean at least like one and a half years since the time I started this podcast. I was like, I should get Venkat on board. So all of you please uh, welcome Venkatan on this podcast. He's uh, an old friend of mine. We know each other from college days where we started this astronomy college days. days. (laughs) FYI <laughs> I just graduated yeah, like just eight graduated. months back. But yeah. yeah. Um eight it's still back? Yeah, like it's been around eight yeah. more than oh around Yeah. God. Time flies. Time flies by, which is one more point I wanna make in this particular episode. Yeah before Time it's too flies. Late. So before it's too late, let's do something. So this is a slightly different episode because you guys know like if you've heard my episodes before you know that I like talking about space and galaxies and black holes and shit like that. but then, And time. And time. I've spoken perhaps about the story behind the discovery of CMBR, Cosmic Background Radiation. I've spoken about um, uh, solar, that is heliophysics and all of that. But today I wanted to talk about something more closer to home. Something more terrestrial in nature. And that is this phenomenon that we all know as climate change or global warming as it is. You know known more popularly, but I think amongst people who truly understand it and in the scientific circles we usually prefer to call it climate change. So, this has been an issue of concern for not just a couple of years, but several decades, right? And uh, if you are able to hear traffic noise, it's because we are sitting outside uh, a coffee day here in Bangalore, the most one of the most populated cities in my country, India. And
2: recently, it's been ranked as uh, the country, the city with the highest traffic.
1: We have in the made world. it. I just want to like make a note of this. Like what he just said, our city is number one in the world for the, for the worst traffic. Right. So, I'm living here for the last like 22 years. And I think I mean, I have known nothing else yeah. so to be to be sort of living in this place with you just you just become used you you get like desensitized to the fact that people spend hours and hours a day stuck in traffic, and it's terrible, and this is happening around the world, and I think this directly correlates with the carbon footprint that our country is leaving, right so when you speak about carbon footprint, you're talking about the amount of emission, the amount of carbon uh, dioxide you're putting into the air, right? So let's go down to the basics, mm-hmm. right? So what is global warming, according to you? What is climate change?
2: It's initially it's supposed to be a reversible change, but as we're neglecting it from a very long time, it is soon going to be an irreversible change, okay. where the we put it the annual rise in temperature as compared to as as we as we are moving forward in time is increasing in an alarming rate and yeah how how,
1: right basically weather and climate are extremely different things right so people often have this misconception and they say hey you can't even predict the weather and how it's going to be in the next five days don't tell me that scientists can predict the climate changes that can come a hundred years from now, right? Of course you can't. But the but the point is, these two are really, really different phenomena. I mean, you can. You,
2: we, they are putting a ballpark. That is, that, that's the whole point. You can't exactly, you can't, it's not like saying tomorrow's going to rain. But with respect to how exactly, the, the same way I said, the average increase in temperature as, as we're going forward exactly. time,
1: average that, yeah
2: that you're... extrapolating to a point where we know we're screwed.
1: (laughs) You know we're screwed, right? So I think, if you can hear that, I think this makes for a great dystopian background noise. We just have like, we have it all, lorries, ambulances, all of it. Um, So like I was saying, weather, yes. The uncertainty in weather is extremely high. Like even today, meteorologists can tell you that it's gonna rain tomorrow, and there's a big probability that it might not. But climate is a trend you see across years and across decades, right? You talk about in August, what is the temperature in Canada from the last 30 years? And when you look at that trend, what we see, what we are seeing is extremely scary, right? There is this uh, small degrees of change across these years. And you might think, hey, it's just one or two degrees. How does it matter? But if you think about it, if you're checking the temperature of a child, right? The difference between 101 degrees and 104 degrees is a lot. That could be, it's a massive difference. That's the difference between just a normal common cold and a viral condition, a viral fever, right? So this is what we're talking about even for the earth, right? So the main driving factor of course is the greenhouse gases, which includes like CO2 and so on. These gases um, trap the heat within our atmosphere. And they don't allow it to escape and the important point to note about co2 is once you release it into the atmosphere it's not going to get destroyed which means the amount of damage we've already done is done like even if you stop today the what what exactly they're in a really bad state because the co2 we have already produced is still going to haunt you in a couple of different ways across the next centuries what you've trapped is trapped
2: And we are still producing CO2 in a very alarming rate.
1: If you don't stop now, and if you procrastinate just by 10 years, the difference is huge. The power of stopping emission today, and doing it in 2030, can make all the difference to our grandchildren's lives. And that's what makes it so important to act now. And we ignore it. Why? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the human brain is usually designed to do, right? In the wild, you see a tiger, you are designed to like, your brain is saying, hey, the tiger is visible. The danger is immediate. The danger is happening to you and not someone else.
2: So basically we are designed to respond to stimuli.
1: Respond to stimuli stimuli. that has these certain traits, uh, the traits of being immediate, the trait of it being visible. visible, Um, Mm. And it is dangerous to you personally and the source of the danger is not you, it is the tiger. The source of the danger is external, right? And uh, you also know that you have to do something about it and the relationship is very linear. If you don't run, you die. Mm. It's a very simple linear relationship. But in climate change, it's a very very complex relationship. It's
2: a slow poison. It's a slow poison.
1: So, number one, it's not happening today. So, so you can't even. It is
2: happening, but it is not visible as, as evidently as uh, the amount of effect it's causing.
1: Exactly. So, the effect is not visible today. For example, the, uh, if CO2 was, was the color of like ash, if it, was, like, if it was black, and you could actually see it everywhere, we would have definitely done something by, about it by now. Trust me. Like, the uh, the lack of it being a visible thing is is playing a huge role in our negligence, okay? So, that is there. Secondly, it's going to affect your kids. And as much as you think you care about your kids, you freaking don't. <laughs> because if you truly cared about your children, you would be thinking, hey, how many trees are going to be there by the time my daughter has her own child? How Why bad is the traffic?
2: Stability is not the only uh, yeah thing that you can provide to your uh, loved ones to, to, to your children to the younger generation so it is the guarantee of having a tomorrow with, Exactly yeah, on the same planet
1: I mean going around and telling your kids hey study for your future work for your future where's the future yeah. what about safeguarding and protecting that future if, if not the next 50 years at least in a hundred years you're gonna have all kinds of problems from sea level rises to temperature differences you know uh, what is
2: your opinion about uh, a lot of people have this have this argument that are, we are screwing up our earth in a very bad shape and yet uh, people like Elon Musk who are billionaires who are entrepreneurs, they are looking to do they, they are looking to looking at different projects like uh, oh. colonizing right. Mars. So when the problem is here, so, the, so their argument is, the problem is here, why not spend all the money in uh, to solve the problem here first and then think about col- uh, stuff like colonizing Mars, Venus, etc. So what's your opinion
1: on that? I say first of all, doing any single thing is probably not the solution, okay? We are a population of 8 billion, that, therefore our solutions and our approaches to the solution is not limited to one or two. Some of us are looking into sustainable resources. Some of us think sustainable uh, energy sources like solar and wind power is total crap and it should be nuclear. Some of us are studying and focusing on nuclear energy sources. Some of us want to just leave the planet and we're focusing on space-based technology. Curbing any one form of advancement is not going to do you any favor. There, There might be a day when the only thing that saves us is probably Elon Musk's technology that he's developing today. True. There might also be a day when the only thing that saves us is um, clean energy here and making sure that we have we're not depending on fossil fuels anymore yeah, but you but, don't know if the solution what, is earth based or not i mean i
2: agree with you as as a fellow um, enthusiast science enthusiast i agree with you that research is very research in those terms is very important but what well, as i've had a few of these arguments with other people what their argument is mm-hmm. is that there might be a day when elon Musk's uh, the technological advancements are the only things that might save us but the only reason we've reached that point is because Elon Musk didn't do anything as of right now to curb the present uh, bad condition that is Let me tell
1: be- you something if you think one man sitting in the US no, is
2: no, no. I mean Elon Musk is an example i'm saying uh, how yes research is a that direction their there their, their, their entire argument is why Uh, let this accelerate and concentrate on something else
1: Right. but uh, the focus that's required to save this planet is not just dependent on resources that's what we need to realize these factors are way more political than we understand the kind of decisions that the world leaders are making and the amount of funding that they decide to keep away for environmental causes Especially is going to play a way a like- huger role than a couple of people in the world trying to advance space technology. Forget about them. What about people like Trump, who don't believe in climate change re- leading the superpower in the world? What about? What about the fact that we've done nothing about the amount of carbon carbon dioxide emissions from a developing country like India? And it's not like the, the
2: changes are not visible. There are a lot of visible changes. For example, the rise of uh, the water level, the sea level, the ocean level, exactly. that's a very, very visible change. So if the changes, it's not like it's, it's happening behind our, our eyes. It's, it's not like we can't detect these changes. So even with specific data-driven proof that climate change is a real thing, uh people with power are doing absolutely nothing to reverse.
1: Delhi this year I think was put under the list for the one of the top cities in the world for the worst atmospheric pollution. Right? If you go to Delhi, people there in their houses need air filters or they if they're just not okay. It's fatal. It's reached a point where they are developing diseases and the lifespans decreasing. If you're a follower of
2: sports, you've probably seen uh, in both football matches and cricket matches that the players are training, wearing masks. So that's a very bad state.
1: That's a very bad state, right? You can't step out without a mask Mask, there. And even in Bangalore, I know so many people going in for purchasing these air filters at their homes because they understand the impact that this pollution is having. So I, I guess my point is what you can do for the environment today Right, the decision doesn't have to come just from these rich overlords who who you think should be putting their resources into environmental uh, research. But what about the rest of the resources that you do have? What are you doing with it? What what kind of funding have you provided to having some amount of bans on these CO two emissions? Are you creating those bans? Are you creating a limit on how much co2 these industries are allowed to produce into the atmosphere
2: the only thing we see these days is uh, if there's a very visible problem that is uh, very pertinent here what, what normally the procedure is we uh, end up uh, making a petition a lot of people sign it right but then absolutely nothing happens to it right so, so, so the, the only, only thing is you're satisfied that you signed the petition and it gives a false sense of uh, oh, hope, actually. hope, and achievement. Saying I did something, Drive. but absolutely, but that is absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, and if in a lot of speeches, um, you know, in in leading conferences around the world for environmental change, yeah, the leaders speak about how developed countries should take and take the charge, and they should go forward and produce these rules, such as uh, the ban on carbon dioxide emissions or certain limitations on it. Mm. And uh, for example, one of the solutions uh, one of the TED talks. To- uh, Talks about is that you can um something like tax you can put a price for the amount of co2 that these industries are producing so if you're producing one gallon of co2 this is the amount of extra charge you have to give to the government right so you are charging them for how much co2 they they can emit and the the solution says you can you can then take that money okay and redistribute it to the people of that country because what's going to happen is when an industry has to pay extra For co2 emissions that's going to increase the prices of things like food and certain things that are dependent on these industries right right? so if all these other market prices go up of course we need the extra money so if you can redistribute it to us the citizens now have the extra money to take better decisions we can Take, we can have that extra money to put into electric vehicles we have that when, extra money to take sustainable sources of energy you
2: have the extra money to spend on the stuff on the products yes, but the these?
1: calculations surprisingly show that the extra money you make actually exceeds the money you will need to pay off for these foods uh, or the increase in the prices of these market commodities that's the great point about this calculation that they have done sadly enough this calculation solution basically came out five years ago. This TED talk was five years ago and I looked it up and there's nothing that's been done about it. Ideas worth sharing are not enough if, if the ideas are not executed. They're, because they're if they're worth sharing then they're worth executing upon.
2: I think even if even if these ideas are executed, uh, the ideas specifically like the one, one that you just mentioned only work in certain countries where people actually, where change actually happens in countries like uh, Germany and people yeah, uh, stuff right. like that where the uh, the corruption level is not that high and not that evident only there these changes can even have a certain effect, uh, a desirable effect if you bring these changes uh, in, in a country like India the amount of extra revenue that you are uh, producing through ta- by taxing the CO2 uh, industries that produce CO2 are being gobbled up by these uh, power mongers, politic, politicians, exactly, in yeah, so exactly. so th- the money, that, that's, a, that's another source of- This
1: is why I'm a, saying that politics is so intertwined with climate change. Right. And it's it sucks because these politicians, they're going to have children too. They're going to have grandchildren who suffer the floods, the wrath of nature, um, you know, they're going to suffer the uh, heat uh, waves, a hundred years from now because of something that their stupid grandfather did now. Some corrupted guy. These people are not understanding that climate change is here and now. And is affecting us right now.
2: They don't really care to They, they okay. have enough money by then to move to a country that is not yet completely facing the wrath of uh, climate Life. change. Right? But it's
1: loved and developing countries. Yeah. I really don't know what the excuses are. So we'll end there. And
0: maybe next- So if you guys made it to the end of that episode, congratulations, because I know it takes patience, specifically with all that background noise. Um, But also, I think in general, people have a tendency to avoid this topic altogether because it's unpleasant. You know, nobody wants to be told that the world is ending or that it's their fault, specifically. Um, But it is our fault. And I think this individual... A tendency to like avoid the topic and like just change the topic altogether when it comes up in a conversation or um, if you read a news article you don't want to finish the article you just you look at the headline it scares you you just swipe and you know um, that tendency is definitely there and I think it's because um, honestly we don't want to be told that it's our responsibility and we are the cause but that's the truth of it right and this individual Uh, indifference to the problem is creating um, a global indifference because we are the summation of 8 billion people 8 billion individuals right so if each of us neglects it and decides on some level that it's not that important that it deserves our attention then of course we are going to neglect it as a species of course the government is not going to take it seriously right so the onus is really on us as individuals to um, pay attention now i think for those of you who who must have listened to the conversation it seems like climate change is really complex and the more we hear about it from the news or from the media the more complex it seems it seems like the system of intricate you know connected um uh, factors all getting messed up uh, but i think i want to sort of clarify that and I wanna simplify it because the key to spreading awareness and the key to understanding is simplification. So we have to simplify the problem and I think I found a great um, talk and I would like to uh, use um, this guy's key points uh, and he categorizes it really well. He talks about it in three steps, right? First of all, the problem of climate change is simple. It's not that hard. The Secondly, um, the problem of climate change is serious. The effects are not small and with time it's going to compound and the effects are very serious. Thirdly, the problem of climate change is solvable. It has not yet reached a point of no return. It's still solvable. We can do certain things to reverse this whole process. Okay. So with these three things in mind, I think it becomes much easier to understand the whole paradigm. So first of all, the first point, um, Climate change is simple, how? Because every effect of it you see outside is a manifestation of that one thing. What is that? Greenhouse gases. And all of us know it from our high school textbooks, right? You've got CO2 uh, trapped into the uh, atmosphere, and the more you release it, it's more like a thick blanket around the earth. And what does a blanket do? It keeps you warm, it avoids the heat from escaping into space, right? And that's what CO2 is doing. It absorbs the heat that the ground is trying to reflect off in infrared, it gets excited. CO2 molecule gets excited, and then it re-emits um, the heat back to Earth. So suddenly the atmosphere has become opaque to the greenhouse gases, and it used to just be transparent. The CO2 normally should be able to escape uh, easily off into space, and you wouldn't have it trapped, right? So now you've got a lot of heat energy trapped into the system. So everything you see, Arctic ice melting, uh, heat waves around the world, all of those uh, effects are a manifestation of this very simple problem, which means the solution must also be connected to this root cause, okay? Secondly, the effects are serious. What what can we really say about the effects? Um, there are like a hundred things you read on the news. So what are the main effects? The main effects, I think, can be categorized into two parts. First of all, the Arctic ice is melting. Why does this matter? Because when it melts, it increases sea levels around the globe. Okay. By 2018, I think the sea level rose by over uh, five centimeters, the perhaps the size of a banana. Okay. And that might not seem like a lot, but you need to understand how big the ocean is how much of surface area it's covering and for that large body of water to have increased by a couple of centimeters that must have taken a lot of ice you know getting melted uh, from the north uh, from the northern pole so imagine if by 2100 you have an increase of 1 meter the sea level increases by one meter. And that you might be like, okay, so what happens? What happens if the sea level rises? What's the worst that could happen? Well, people living in certain places today, coastal regions, those places are going to be non-existent 100 years from now. They're going to get absolutely drowned. Um, southern parts of the US and coastal regions around the world, imagine they all get submerged. And this is not far off. This is when your grandchild is going to be going to college, perhaps. And that's a serious effect to think about, right? Yes, the planet perhaps doesn't care. It's okay. It's It's going to be fine. Honestly, the planet is going to be fine. But you're messing with ecosystem. You're messing with not just uh, places where humans are, have, um, are living right now, but even habitats of animals, right? You're going to be killing millions of those animals in these places nextly climate uh, sorry nextly um, the second consequence of climate change um, uh, 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 is basically related to food production and the heat waves so one example that's often given is that of 2003 there was a massive heat wave in france and it we basically saw like a heat peak uh, a temperature peak that we've never sort of seen before and that is a rarity right now. That happened in 2003 and didn't happen again, but it led to mass like crop failure and it basically increases global hunger when you have heat waves, right? Now imagine in 2090, the predictions show that 2090 summer is going to be the worst, and you can expect this kind of heat wave that France experienced with an almost, I think, four, uh, three to four degrees higher than the average annual um, uh, temperature, you're gonna have that half the time. The probability of that kind of heat wave is 50% around the time of two thousand ninety, And that's a scary statistic to have because Right now itself, the trop- of course, the tropical countries are going to get the worst hit. And you have uh, malnourished uh, people living in these tropical countries, right? Which means they are going to get the worst hit out of all of this. And of course, you're going to have a problem with global hunger. And imagine if we've not solved hunger in 100 years from now. What is all this technology for? What is all this, you know, so-called quote-unquote development for If you if you can't fix things that are going to kill people, right? Um, So with that, those are the two main consequences of climate change. And looking at it that way, I think gives you a lot of clarity. One, you're going to have submerged lands in just a 100 years. Number two, you're going to have an increase in world hunger. If those two are not enough reasons for you, to pay attention to climate change, then I don't know what is. And when you talk about heat waves, again, you're going to talk about animals dying, right? It's not like it's not already happening with Australia and stuff, but, but for how long are you going to be the cause of animal death? You know? It's so weird because humans are just so good at this. Like at some point, right, in the beginning, there were just a few million of us, the whole population of humans. It was a few, it was in a few millions and we were hunter gatherers. And with just few millions, we were able to make mammoths go extinct. Humans have this like uncanny ability of just, of just making these large animals vanish from the surface of the earth. And to me, that is scary. To me, that is wrong. And somewhere, that means we are not in sync with the ecosystem. No other animal is going around making another species go extinct. Ecosystem and the nature has always this way of bringing in an equilibrium. If one animal is a predator, then that animal has a few problems uh, hunting down its prey. For example, it only hunts down once in three days perhaps there are limitations to how successful a lion is going to be every time it hunts it has this success percentage so it's not going to make like um, the deer or whatever the local herbivores go extinct even if the lion is hunting very successfully there is a certain equilibrium in the powers of even a carnivorous animal right but us humans we have transcended limitations long ago and that means we are really really messing with the ecosystem anyway where was that so thirdly we come to the point that climate change is solvable and with how serious the consequences are of course you have to pay attention to the solution and yes we spoke about how co2 is one of the major problems if you can fix that you can fix climate change the relationship seems very simple and linear but of course people are going to tell you hey the solution is sustainable sources of energy right like countries developed countries around the world are increasing their uh, the percentage of energy they get from sustainable sources countries like scotland and germany and uh, these countries are investing a lot into solar and wind power so that's great right i mean i think the revolution is already here so Yes, that is great. And, you know, developing countries also need it. And China has massive, massive uh, solar uh, solar energy farms, uh, solar energy plants, right? And so, yes, perhaps the revolution is already here. So what's the problem? Why are we so worried? It will happen with time. But are sustainable energy sources the solution? And I think the more I've read about it recently, I have seen how much of a problem even sustainable sources are going to cause because we are looking to them as solutions to our huge problem of climate change, but sun and wind are very diffused forms of energy and when you when you want to set it up on a large scale, you need a lot of space, a lot of space like like solar power plants needs like acres and acres of lands to be cleared out so that you can have these large um, plants like I think California is a great example and it's huge right these spaces that you need um, so what's the consequence of clearing out such places you are again messing with ecosystem how do you clear uh, a space you clear it by either number one destroying a forest or number two destroying wildlife or both number three <laughs> so you are either doing um injustice to again the flora or the fauna of that particular place so you cannot have that much of cleared land without you know at least killing a few thousand animals and that happened people who were part of this um um, you know construction of a plant in your california those people have spoken up they spoke about how they would ride their uh you know landmowers or tractors or whatever down and they would have to kill these tortoises on the way. Or even if they didn't kill it, they would have to replace it from the from the desert to some confinement, you know. And in confinement, they die. Uh, you can't expect these wild animals to just survive and flourish in an environment where you, what you have created. So if you have this, if you don't have a solution of how to save and protect the wildlife from such large places, again, you're going to be causing more harm to nature than you already are. And that is not a sustainable solution on the long run. So yes, solar power is great and most people can have it in their own houses, but since that is expensive, often the solution is to have a large plant uh, on the outside of the city and then the electricity is supplied to the city, right? But maybe that's not our best bet. And maybe our best bet is, is density, is energy dense fuel. And this fuel I'm talking about is usually nuclear. So if you look at uranium, right, the uranium, the size of a Rubik's cube, if you have that much and you, you know, harness the uh, energy out of nuclear fission, then that is enough to power the energy requirements of one human for an entire lifetime. So you're talking about a very energy dense substance right? So this, of course, suddenly reduces the amount of space you have to invest into such a source. Uh, but secondly, what about the result in the outcomes of nuclear, you know, that what people are worried about is the radiation and the what you're producing. But what you're producing can be captured and locked away. And if you can invest enough money into research of how to deal with these, uh, you know, uh, resultants of of nuclear fission, then I'm pretty sure we can develop a great technology for just keeping it out and keeping it safe for, uh, for many, many years to come. Because the accidents that have been associated with nuclear uh, energy are few in number, but they have caused a very bad reputation for nuclear energy on the whole. And I think that's inhibiting countries from investing in it right? But countries like France, if you see, the truth is, France invested a lot into nuclear energy, whereas Germany a lot into sustainable sources such as solar and wind, clean energy, right? But today, Germany per individually pay, pays, I think, five times more for le- for electricity than France. France has a much cheaper price of electricity and is managing its nuclear power plants quite well. So there's no problem. So, if the truth is if Germany had invested the same amount, they would be having much cheaper prices, but also occupying much less space and land, right? So perhaps that's the solution. So maybe the solution of the future is to look at energy dense uh, resources, right? So that could be one solution. But the second solution really comes down to us as individuals. And I think uh, I read this one thing and they have, uh, it's quite a nice fact. If you use a 100-watt bulb, uh, in, incandescent bulb perhaps, and you leave it on the entire night, it's equivalent to releasing 1.5 kilograms of carbon dioxide into the air. Absolutely unnecessary. And I mean, it's not about, um, when I say equivalent, you're talking about it's equivalent to that much of coal burning and releasing that much CO2 into the air. And for what? Like if you could minimize on electricity at home and if you could then cause this effect or, you know, do it as a country and if the awareness was spread wide enough that people became conscious and they switched from 100 watts to 10 watts, you know, they switched to LED, they served, they switched to energy saving uh, appliances at home, you could save billions of kilograms of co2 from being released into the atmosphere and that is the truth of individual action so i want to stop here with saying what you do in your house how how long you leave the fan on or how long how long you leave the bulb on or how often you're using the the dryer and the washing machine all those matter they really matter because those are the things that we're spending our energy on and that is why CO2 is release, getting released more and more into the atmosphere. So do you really want that terrible heat wave in 2090? Do you really want your grandchildren to see so many parts of the world submerged by the time they are born and understand what's happening? They're going to ask you, hey, weren't you guys aware the Arctic ice was melting when you guys were, must have been in college? What did you do? And what would you say if your grandkid asked you that? And I personally am scared to bring a child into such a world. I don't think I'm okay with, with someone coming in and seeing that this is what we've done with the planet so far, because these questions that the kids will ask you matter. And I, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be around for a while, hopefully. And by 2060, perhaps, I'm going to see the world, and it's going to be quite a bla- bad place for us, for some of us who are still going to be around. So the people who are making decisions today probably won't be around. And that's what's the bad part, right? The decision makers today don't care as much because they know it's not their problem. They're not going to be around. But we are, the youth and the millennials, we really, really are. And that is why I honestly see this fight as millennials versus boomers. And I think it makes a lot of sense for us to let these, you know, slightly older people or decision makers understand that it's affecting our futures, right? so i'm going to stop here um and i think what you do today really matters so i'll see you on the next episode but i wish to come back to this topic and maybe we'll speak about specific aspects of climate change in the future episodes as well and i want to explore it a bit more so that i learn myself and i can help others learn as well (laughs) bye-bye